0: Welcome back to Midwest Girls. Hey, everybody. It is Kylie and Meg and our special guest, Al. Um, but before we get to that, Al, we have to promote our makeup. <laughs> Aren't you so glad? I'm
1: so excited.
0: <laughs> hey, maybe, hey, there's more than just makeup
2: at Toops and Co. That is true, actually. <laughs> it's true. They have awesome tallow Bomb, but... And so many different things that I use. I use their tonics, their tallow bomb, their foundation. I just started using mascara. Yep. Their lipstick. Yep. And then I'm very excited that I converted Meg, and oh. even more excited that they um, provided us a way to support the podcast. By giving us a 10% off code to share with all of our listeners. Mm -hmm. And they give us, you know, if you use that code, we get a small percentage of whatever you purchase. So it's
0: like a commission type thing. Yep. And so Meg also has a testimonial about it. Kylie jumped on this like... Um year ago, probably almost, and i I've, I've always meant to before they even gave us the promotion code and of course, once they did, I had just uh, gotten the mail accidentally in All honesty <laughs> this new lotion, so I was like, i'll oh, wait, I'm gonna wait and get uh, I'll do it when this lotion runs out because I just don't like wasting things that's my mindset. Well, <laughs> over christmas break the the month of like sickness and weirdness for us, I text Kylie this picture. And I seriously had like a chemical burn on my face from this lotion. Yes, she did. I mean, I wasn't exaggerating and I saw her later that day and she was like, Whoa. I was like, it hurts and it took days for it to go away. So that was for me, the straw that broke the camel's back. I was like, I'm getting this. I got the frankincense tallow balm, which is the lotion I use the charcoal bar. Mm. which I wash my face with it's excellent I
2: love that that's the first step for everybody I would say yes that, it's the cheapest and it's the just my favorite yes
0: and <sighs> my skin like it obviously it healed and I also bought some makeup too and I love it like mm-hmm. if I'm putting makeup on my face and it actually feels like it's nourishing my face yes and it's so light it's wonderful yes so there we go Yeah. it burned me <laughs> not and Co, the other stuff <laughs>
2: Yeah, um, everything is made here in the U.S. It's a small business. Um, her name is Emily, and her cow, Blueberry, is the one she milks and oh, gets all that. the nice tallow from. And uh, they live down south, and she makes all these pure products straight in her kitchen, which is awesome. And I so, it. one, it's a great way to support a an, an American small business. Mm-hmm. who uh, She also, I think, homeschools for kids, she if does. I read correctly. And also, it's... There's no crap in it, so you yes. can feel good uh, putting it on your face and know that there's no extra additives or chemicals or anything horrible for you.
0: Yeah, um, I've been, even the tallow balm at night, winter, my lips, everyone's lips yep. are dry, I just put it on my face and my lips, and I, they're, I mean, they're in good shape, Me and too. usually about this time I'm eating chapstick yeah which don't buy that they make you addicted to it and yeah. keep buying it so um, <laughs> anywho yeah they also have tubes and co also has um actually they should she just emailed
2: out a tallow balm um uh, like chapstick looking applicator so oh, it's nice. for those things as well somebody's calling me but sorry whoever's calling me <laughs> i'm ignoring you um. Uh, but anyways, so Al, <laughs> we are called Midwest girls.
1: So I take it that's not a product for men. <laughs>
0: no, uh, actually, can use it. the the he's like really yes. Good. Yeah, he's like I <laughs> the said, charcoal bar and that you could use it. Yes,
2: <laughs> the charcoal bar, the tallow bomb, the basically all the products that aren't makeup. You know, men can use too. I also use their deodorant and it's really good. And they have like a cedar wood one. I use the lavender and... What is that? Lavender and... It doesn't matter. I don't remember. But um, they have a cedar wood one that I want to try next. Yes. Because I love that smell.
0: So please, you won't. It's seriously, I can tell this is going to last a long time too. I've been using it for about a month and it looks like I've hardly used it. Yeah. For real. And yeah. I'm not being stingy. No. It is worth it.
2: Yeah. I've been using the same. I've been using a lot of the same products for over a year. Yeah. And they've been. Yeah. Buy it's it. It's amazing.
0: It's a more of a long-term investment.
2: Yes. Buy
0: it. Spend the
2: money. It is a long-term investment. Yes, it's uh, more expensive than your drugstore stuff that you'll find on the shelves, but...
0: You'll you want, save money.
2: You'll save money. It's a clean product, and you get to support your favorite podcast when you use Midwest
0: Girls, all caps, TEN. TEN. Oh, I tried to line it up there. Oh, sorry. <laughs> That's right.
2: Good I, failed. <laughs> I, I probably... Next up. Next TEN. Time. TEN. <laughs> TEN. That was perfect. <laughs> so... But anyways, um, we're going to get ready to turn it over to Alvin. Alvin, um, I've met actually through my grandparents. He's helped them out over the past, um, oh gosh, I don't even know how many years. My aunt and my grandparents um, and kind of has been, become part of the family. And then he also now works at the church as our custodial help. And I said that wrong. Custodian, custodian, custodial. <laughs> from the Midwest.
1: It's just because I'm old. <laughs> but
2: um, but through that, I really got to know Alvin when we were down in Jackson, Mississippi. And um, I realized he's a horrible driver. And <laughs> he's laughing only at night. <laughs> no, not just at night. <laughs>
1: I improvised. He's Leadfoot
2: Larry. And, um, <laughs> but we had a lot of belly laughs on that trip and really got to know each other, and it was a lot of fun. And so he is coming on today to talk about his testimony, and I think um, everybody will take away something from it, as everybody takes away something at any testimony. So yes, you can take it away. I don't know if you're, are you starting at your younger years?
1: I will start at my younger years and hopefully I'll get this right, uh, but uh, who will know if I don't?
2: That's true. Maybe your sister.
1: <laughs> yes. I <laughs> my childhood. I, uh, I came from Decatur, Illinois. Uh, I was born there and I I actually uh, lived there what I call half my life. It's my childhood and uh, I went to uh, grade school there and then we, my family had a Breakup. Uh, my my parents got a divorce, and and uh, so my mom she was from Texas, so we moved to Texas, and uh, where I would live out the rest of my uh, days there uh, in school, uh, seventh grade to the eleventh grade. Uh, then I went into the military, uh, and where I got my GED. Uh, I spent four years in the Navy. Uh, I did. Uh, three years civil service at Cal Air Force Base and uh, worked many uh, different uh, jobs. And I uh, attended college twice and uh, both times it ended up in uh, just me partying a lot and not really studying hard or uh, I guess I was going for the wrong reasons. Uh, In hindsight, I wish I would have uh, Went for the right reasons, but you know that's that's the way life took me. So, um, so at this point uh, in my life, I uh, I was asked by a friend to drive his wife to uh, Elkhart. Uh, well, no, it was South Bend, Indiana, and uh, I said, "Well, I'm not doing anything. I could do that." So I. I drove her and got her there safely. <laughs> well, and, so he says. <laughs> and, and then I uh, I ended up, uh, it was winter time and I hadn't been back in the north uh, where it snowed uh, for many years. And when I seen the snow there in South Bend, it was probably at at least three to four foot high. Mm. And that just threw me right back into a a childhood uh, that was, started out really, really normal. And uh, then of course I I thought of my grandmother and and my cousins and all my family that I had there that we had just left. And uh, it made me wanna stick around uh, this neck of the woods, and so I ended up getting a job at Elkhart at a place called Three T's, which uh, they made brass instruments and shipped them all over the world. And uh, what they had me do is uh, I honed out these these parts that went into the trumpets and saxophones and and such, and and uh, just. It was a job. It wasn't, you know, career-based, if you will. But I didn't really care because I was more into my drinking, if you, um, if I want to be honest. I I drank quite a bit. Um, so uh, I would work that job for um, probably about four or five years, and then I would end up drinking myself out of that job. Mm-hmm. I would go. Uh, job to job, factory to factory, and I'd always excel real well at these jobs and and get promoted and they liked me and I'd get these merit raises and because I was a hard worker and but I also was a a hard drinker and uh if you've ever been to south Bend or or Elkhart uh, not so much Elkhart but mostly South Bend they had a uh, they had clubs which um, were for men. And uh, so I would go in there and waste my money on watching girls dance and such. And, and then I'd get drunk and just leave. But that was, that was how I was living. And I ended up getting a DUI going home one night and that would send me to therapy uh, for drug and alcohol uh, counseling that I took as a big joke I didn't really take it seriously I just felt like I, I wasn't really a, an alcoholic I, I just I drank a little much and I got out of hand here and there but it, it didn't really seem to Fit you. A- affect me like you know uh because I always thought of being a, a, an alcoholic, you were laying in the alleys with that brown bottle and, and shabby clothes and hadn't showered for months. And, mm-hmm. and it just, I didn't fit that profile. I worked hard. I kept a home and kept an automobile. And, you know, I was reasonably responsible, so I thought. Uh, but the truth of the matter was I was... I was really a full-blown alcoholic at that time, but I was living in denial. Uh, I didn't want to accept the fact that that I had taken good opportunities I've had in my life to make something of myself and squandered them because of alcohol. Mm. And uh, it's just, when I think of it, it just makes me sick. But, you know, there's really nothing I can do about it now except for go forward. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's what I, I try to do uh, is just go forward from there. And uh, what I ended up doing was I, that probation I was on there in in uh, Elkhart, uh, I violated that. So they they sent me to Fort Wayne, Indiana, to a treatment center. And it was called the Washington House. And I didn't know what to expect, you know. It was, I was partly scared and I didn't know what they were gonna do or what I was gonna do once I got there, uh, how life was, was going to be after the treatment center. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a 30-day um, stay and uh, I stayed all 30 days. I went from there to what they call a halfway house mm-hmm. uh, because I didn't I didn't have a job. Uh, that halfway house it uh, was called the Thirteenth Step House, mm-hmm. and that had a big influence on me because uh, you got there and you had responsibilities, but you also had AA meetings that you went to daily, Hmm. and it wasn't unusual to go to two or three AA meetings in a course of the day. I got to where I kind of enjoyed that, and they also had um, an employer that would employ people that was in my position, you know, they'd take a chance and uh, let you work there. Well, you know, as usual, I would... I would do good Mm -hmm. and I would sustain that job as long as I didn't begin to drink. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's when I met my uh, to be wife. Uh, It was, I don't know, it just, it was. Bizarre to me how I met her, but at the same time, it's it's how it worked out because I ended up meeting her through the Washington House. and She was a nurse there, mm-hmm. and uh, we got to talking, and and then uh, then we I asked her out, and we went out, and and we seemed to hit it off. Well, she had she had quite a few kids. <laughs> So it was like, okay, well, that doesn't matter. You know, we care about each other, we'll just take it from here. And uh, we ended up getting married. The kids never really accepted me, but you know, I didn't, It didn't bother me so much, but it would eat at me over time. And it was just what I needed, you know, because then I could go back to that, drinking lifestyle I knew so well. Mm -hmm. And I could always use them as an excuse. Now, trust me, at the time, I did not even think that way. I just thought selfishly, and I thought, well, I might as well drink. Maybe I can get closer to them this way. And the thing was, is they didn't drink. And when they did drink, they drank responsibly. Mm-hmm. I never could. Uh, I had to be that life of the party, if you will, that, that loud mouth drunk and sometimes turn violent. And It just wasn't, alcohol was a demon for me, mm-hmm. uh, for sure. But I never thought I drank abnormal. <laughs> and to this day, it's so strange, I mean, I can see it in others but I couldn't see it in myself and uh, what's that scripture when uh, you see the plank and the plank. or you see the, the needle in your the sawdust in your
2: neighbor's, neighbor's eye but the, you, the plank you can't see the plank in yours yeah
1: and it's like that's the way I was you know it was everybody else was you know messed up and didn't know what they were doing and I was the only one with sense. Well, turn out I was the only one that didn't have any sense and the only one that wasn't uh, doing what I was supposed to be doing. You, you know?
0: know, Al, I, you're not the first person to, that I've heard say that. Like, they never thought it was them. Like, mm-hmm. that's not who I am. So I think like, it's just a disconnect. Like you said, you just were like, that's that's I'm not the person in the gutter mm-hmm. and it can just it looks totally different than the stigma most of the time I would say yeah yeah would you find that to be true too
1: I find that to be very true yeah. it's it's a, and and later in years after I would learn about alcoholism and what it does and how it changes your thinking pattern Yes, exactly. You know, I was so deeply ingrained in myself and my self-pity. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was selfish, self-centered, and, and, and that was how I lived. If you did anything wrong uh, uh, against me, well, you were just the worst, you know. Mm-hmm. And But I didn't look at how I was affecting others. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what my words would, would do to others and... Uh, what my my hands would do to others and, and whatever I had available to, if you were bigger than me, it didn't make no difference because I'd get an equalizer and I'm not proud of that at all, but that's part of 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 what alcohol led me to do mm-hmm. uh just just be a terrible person and uh, and I thought that was normal, but that's far from. From normal, uh, the it'd be years before I would really recognize. I was one of those cases that they talk about in the book that I would have to lose everything I had, I, and I finally did. I lost my job. I lost my wife. Mm-hmm. I lost you know connection with my my blood relatives. Uh, I I was down and out. Uh, I went to jail for several times. Uh, I went to prison a couple times and it was the last stay in prison that that really turned it around for me because the wife was done. Mm-hmm. She was done. And it was dead a winter and she let me <laughs> stay outside. She said, No, I don't want you here. Go somewhere else. And I could just tell by the look on her face that that she was serious and she had had enough. Mm -hmm. And I just turned around and left. Um, That was the turning point there because I would go into town where I lived, which was Scott, Ohio. And I would go to those stepkids that never liked me to begin with and ask them if I could stay and they turned their door to me as well. It was only one person in town that I knew just by lifting my hand and waving to that individual for let's say 10, 15 years that i knew known him. And I had talked to him a few times that he, I mean, it was, I was done. I mean, I I didn't have anywhere else to go.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: So I went and I asked him. I says, do you mind if I stay here until I can get back on my feet? He says, sure, Al, come on in, you know? And I don't know what it is, but at that time, I was so grateful and so relieved of not, having to find a place to sleep out in that snow. Mm -hmm. Um, But what had happened was that night, him and his girlfriend got into it. She called the police, he ended up in jail, and he asked me to still stay there and make sure that she was taken care of, and, and he said, you know, don't worry about it. Just just stay here and take care of her and make sure the heat's on. And he had a wood burner that that needed tending. So I I said, well, to me it was like, yeah, that's great. You know, I'll do that. You know, and so I did. And he got out uh, the following Monday, and and we talked. And he said, yeah, Al, you can stay up here in this room. He said. Uh, as long as you need to, and uh, so immediately, I uh, started taking action, and and I used his cell phone to get a hold of my sister, and I got a hold of my sister, and she got a hold of my brother, which they ponied some money up to get me an apartment. So in about a month, I was out of that house. And living it over here at Thistlewood, mm-hmm. there is where I would make my stand with alcohol, and I would get reconnected with God.
2: Mm-hmm. I, uh, actually, I want I was wondering, did you have any type of Christian influence in your life growing up, or was it just kind of non-existent? Or when did you first... Did you Do you remember your first interaction? Was it when you were younger with God? Was it when, when you were younger or when
1: you got to Thistlewood? Well, my first interaction with God uh, would be through my grandmother. And she would take me to church on Sundays because my parents liked to go out on the weekends, so they would take me and my sister to my grandmother's house. And... Sunday came around, we'd ride the bus to church, and I used to get a kick out of that because I, you know, never rode a bus. You know, I always (laughs) walked to school, so it was kind of, it was kind of fun. And then, of course, you know, you're there with Grandma, and my Grandma was a big German lady, and just the greatest hugger and comforter, and uh, so I enjoyed that. Mm -hmm and uh, but i I remember she went to a Nazarene church, mm-hmm. and they jumped up and they would "Hallelujah this and hallelujah," and start talking in tongues sometimes and, and which I knew nothing about, and terrified, I was just terrified, and I would just snuggle up closer to Grandma, you know, and she just put her arm around me and. We'd be listening, you know, and we'd go home. And eventually, there in Illinois, at a Methodist church where my mother had taken me, I don't know how she got connected with that, I don't really remember, but that's where I was baptized. Um, and I was probably
3: uh,
1: 10 or 11, something like that. Mm-hmm. And that would be my first encounter yeah, that I recall that that I had a lot of that uh, jailhouse prayers, you know, mm-hmm. Jesus, get me out of this one, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, did a lot of that and I, a lot of promises to God, and you know, I'll never do it again. And and uh, but it just wasn't to be. I would always end up doing it again and. I consider alcohol was my plague,
3: mm-hmm. if
1: you will. Mm-hmm. That was my demon, and I, there was no getting away from it. Mm-hmm.
2: But now you're at Thistlewood, sorry. I was just yeah. making sure that you, I could well, keep you on track.
1: <laughs> yeah, and that's fine. The, uh, and in, the, in to back it up just a little bit, as I, when I was married prior to uh, Thistlewood, uh, my wife and I would come to Trinity Friends, and uh, and I liked it, and I, you know, I I, I became a member. And Neil Hammond uh, used to go into his office, and they uh, with a bunch of guys, Denny Hammond and and uh, uh, Greg uh, Schaffner, and uh, myself and a couple others, and. Uh, we would talk a little bit about God and a little bit about everything else. Mm-hmm. And, but I had missed that. And it was a time when Promise Keepers was around as well. Mm-hmm. And we would go to Promise Keepers. Neil would, Neil was just the greatest. He would haul me all around to these Promise Keepers meetings. And we really, the, the funny thing is is, we love to eat donuts, you know, Christians, you know, we, we love our sweets, oh, yeah. you know, and coffee. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we'd have that and then we'd have live worship bands, which was just really awesome. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> yes, it was. <laughs> and it was like, it was the bait, you know, yeah. and I, I got you coming back, you know, and
0: I say that jokingly, you know, <laughs> but seriously. Yeah.
1: yeah. And it, but it, it is a good thing. It is. and uh it does bring you closer to your your uh, brothers and sisters in, in Christ and and uh
2: I think my dad went to one of those promise keepers events the day after I was born <laughs> seriously yes because <laughs> um actually Denny Hammonds was the one uh telling me about this and he goes well it was you because it was in June right and I go yeah he goes that's yeah that's how I always remember your birthday.
3: <laughs> oh my goodness! <laughs> That's
2: your mom was okay with it. Well, she—I uh, guess—but <laughs> um, she, dad also made. So my sister was born in March, and um, the draft is always. Then, oh yeah, like I—I I think it was that. I think the was uh, March Madness. March Madness. Yeah, yeah. Brackets. Yes, and um, well, dad uh, made mom wait. To see about where, like, something about Ohio State or something. I can't remember it fully, but mom was walking up and down the road (gasps) trying to get her to come. Stevie, (laughs) you're being called out. (laughs) (laughs) And the worst part is he can't defend himself at all because I might have messed up the story a little bit. But that's mom's version, I'm pretty sure. that's too funny. (laughs) Anyway. Anyways. Sorry, mm-hmm. but Promise you are at Thistle will sit Thistlewood still. I'm trying to help rip the bookmark of where you are in your story. Well, he was at yeah. Promise Keepers with donuts yeah. and coffee. Oh yeah, yeah, that's
0: right. But you backed up. Yeah, um, I backed and now up.
2: you're going to oh, Yeah,
3: <laughs>
0: ignore <Yeah>. me. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, I just know that we have a habit to like jump. Well, we, we, to, we like jump in with questions and stuff. And so I found sometimes, like, Dad would, like, forget his spot, and then I, would, I wouldn't I would remember where he was either. So I made an intentional note in my head today to help with that. Oh, <laughs> good so job. So here it is. <laughs> so,
3: well,
1: we appreciate you, Kylie. Yes. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, when I got to, to Thistlewood, uh, I mean, I was in really bad shape. I uh, uh, not only... I never went through real bad withdrawals, uh, so I thought uh it would be more like uh mood swings i, I would I would class it at uh, I didn't have the shakes I didn't have the, the convulsions you know that that some alcoholics have mm-hmm. uh and i can you know I just think that that's, that in its own is a blessing yes. you know. And I am grateful for that. Uh, But it did hurt me in the the depression state because it just bummed me out. I was so remorseful Mm -hmm. and just grieving and Mm -hmm. just angry at myself as well, you know, for leading the life that I had led and... And I knew better, but I didn't do better. And I, you know, I had so many opportunities and and I squandered. And when I think of that, in hindsight, it's, to this day, it's painful. Mm -hmm. It's it's just hard to believe I was that ignorant to what I needed to do in life. Uh, But at any rate, I would go to uh, Westwood Behavioral, mm-hmm. where I told them that they needed to tear down that sign out front that said it was a behavioral problem, because <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't a behavioral problem. I was an alcoholic with alcoholism. I was sick,
3: mm-hmm.
1: and they said, "Well, let's give it a while." But I, I listened to them. I was more than willing to listen to what they had to offer Mm -hmm. because everything I had tried didn't work.
0: You were truly ready at this point to give it up.
1: I certainly was. And I was, that steak was tenderized Mm -hmm. and ready to throw in the grill, you Mm -hmm. know? And that's what happened. I, I became teachable. Uh, I wasn't uh, Alvin Einstein, as I say. (laughs) I wasn't the one that knew everything and could do everything and could pull myself out of this. Uh, No, I needed help, I knew I needed help, and I was desperate. So I went to all their groups, I listened to all the counselors, I participated in the groups. I would cry my eyes out at those groups, mm-hmm. but I was releasing all these years of anguish and disappointment and hurt mm-hmm. that I felt on these people who suffered from depression and in some cases more severe than myself. Well, I got this grand idea that this was all self-inflicted because that's what alcohol does, you know. It picks you up for that one time in that moment, but ultimately, it's a depressant. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I had been drinking for so long, I thought, well, you know, two and two, it's four, you know. So it did add up to, in my mind, But there was, there was another piece to this that would really, really set me, would set me free in a lot of ways. Because my psychologist there, he said, Alvin, he says, you know, you've been depressed your entire life. (laughs) And for me, to hear that was just the most beautiful thing I could ever heard. Because I thought I was just this worthless, mean, hateful individual that walked this earth. Mm. And that's that's how I felt about myself. Mm. But when he said that, it it made me feel normal (laughs) as, because I was depressed. That's why I was acting out this way.
3: Mm
1: -hmm. Well, you know, then you get to thinking about your childhood and all the things that went on there. And it adds up, Mm -hmm. you know. My parents were alcoholics. They were dysfunctional. My dad was a mean rat. And my mom, she just, well, I was the third boy and I had a younger sister, so you figure it out. She already had two boys, and then I came along, and then the girl came along. So I was kind of just left to my own.
3: Mm.
1: And that's why I love my grandmother Donaldson so much. Mm. Is because she always gave me that love that I needed more consistently than just the weekends. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh Yeah, getting back to uh, Westwood and those groups, it wasn't long till the people that were at the tables with me and I was sharing, some of them would never talk. Mm -hmm. Well, they began hearing me spill all this personal terrible, horrible stuff and they began opening up.
3: Mm.
1: Well, it wasn't soon after that and the case managers were like, hey, I want you to sign up for my group, you know? And and of course I would because I needed all those groups. Uh, And at the same time I was going there, I was going to AA. I was going to every AA meeting that the town and here held Uh, I read the book I I, I did my homework and at that time too I was I was getting back into the church I was going every Sunday uh, and if they had it on Wednesdays I was hitting Wednesdays every opportunity I had to get somewhere where there were positive influences and people that were gonna lift me up Mm. And help me through this, that's where I was putting myself.
0: There's so much wisdom in that statement, right there. Mm -hmm. Just that alone. In fact, I was just telling the kids last night something had happened, and Adam was like, I never want that to happen again. Mm -hmm. And I said, So much of it comes down to the company you keep Mm -hmm. and just. Don't put yourself in the situations. surround yourself with life-giving people mm-hmm. right there, yes. sorry to interrupt.
1: no you're fine that uh, and that would be uh, how I would get closer to God
3: yes mm-hmm. uh,
1: and that's something that that happened. And this is all I'm at Thistlewood living. Now these are the things, these are some of the events that happened to me. I uh, I would wake up early in the morning because I love my mornings, and mm-hmm. I would sit out front of my apartment and drink coffee. Nice. Well, the later the lady that ran the apartment complex would come every morning. And eventually she'd come down there and she'd say, don't you get tired of just sitting around your apartment? And I says, I sure do. And she says, well, come over here. And she took me in the office and she talked to me and she asked me some questions and I gave her the answers to them. and, And she says, you know, she says, I'm not very happy with the yard guy here and, I want to replace him. So I want you to just go out and pick up sticks and pick up uh, the litter and stuff that people leave. And I said, sure, I'll do that. And she says, "And I'll pay you a little bit of something. And so she would, and eventually I would get that job.
3: Hmm.
1: Now, that was, that was one of the pieces. The other piece was my neighbor. My neighbor was a retired police chief out of Oklahoma. (laughs) Out of Oklahoma. Here we are in Ohio, which he was from Van Wert. He was a Marine and I was a sailor. And he was in Vietnam and I did Vietnam. And he got Agent Orange over there, but he was this the type of Christian that put the little booklets on your on your car, the tracks on <laughs> <Yeah>. your <laughs> on your car <laughs> under the uh, windshield wiper, yeah. and and that's that's what that's the kind of guy he was. Mm-hmm. And we'd talk and. He eventually, uh, he eventually asked me if if I was a Christian, and I said yes, and and I told him I went over here to Trinity Friends, and and that I didn't know my Bible that well, but you know I'm doing a little bit more reading than I used to. And he says, hey, he says, why don't we have a Bible study? And I kind of looked at him and was like, what? A Bible study? You know, I kind of got scared. You know, I was like, oh, no, I'm going to be tested. (laughs) (laughs) And so I agreed to it. I said, but not too many questions, you know, no more than five. And so he says, yeah, sure. Sure. So we, that went on for a few months and by the time it was done, it was, it was like 20 questions and it was you know, he was just grilling me. But we got along so well. Well, his, his cancer from that ancient orange was, was killing him. And he came over one day and he said, Alvin, he said, I want to give you my car. And I said, Steve, that's a nice gesture, but I I can't do that. I said, you know, and I was trying to think of an excuse of, of why I couldn't accept it. And I said, well, I don't have a license. They took my license. And he says, well, last I know, he says, you didn't need a license to own a car. And I was like, oh, geez. Yeah, you wouldn't be a police chief and know that. You know? <laughs> 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 and so I says, Well, yeah, oh, well, okay, you know. So he sold me that car. And here I am working part time, cleaning up litter and, and mowing these, this lawn over here at Thistlewood, not making a lot of money. And I'm thinking, oh, reinstatement fee for for my license. Uh, So I call the guy who let me stay with him. And he says, Alvin, he says, "They, they got a new program out. He says, you pay 50 bucks, you go take the test, you got your license. I said, what? He says, yeah, just go up there and do it. I went up there, did it. I came over here and I said, Neil, uh, can I borrow your car to take this driving test? He says, sure. So I used his vehicle because it was newer and I knew it would pass all the inspections. <laughs> Neil Hammond, is that Neil him? Hammond, yeah. yep. And so I took his vehicle there and, well, he drove me there and, and uh, I used his vehicle and passed the test and and then I was back in business. Well, <laughs> it's I got pulled over a couple times. And See Leadfoot Larry.
2: <laughs> Leadfoot Larry. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and well one time it was for one time it was for my license plate light was out. Oh yeah, and the other time was, I was a Sweet. little bit uh, to the right, you know, or, and, and I'm thinking, okay, these guys, well, probably behind me, run my plate, say, oh that's, oh, that's our friend Alvin. Oh, yeah. And mm-hmm. he's known to be drinking and driving. Well, let's just pull him over and see how he's doing tonight. But I never felt so good when I handed him my license and my insurance and said, here you go, officer. <laughs> and I knew that I was legal.
0: You were in the clear.
1: Because before, I wouldn't have cared if I had a license or not. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's not the way to live mm-hmm. <laughs> or think. Um, but that's the way I was, you know. I, I, you know, rules were for everybody else, but, but me. Mm. And, uh, and if I could break a rule or do something on my own, that, that's what I was doing. But that's all part of that self-centeredness, mm. you know, and thinking, you know, it's all about me and it's my way or the highway, you know
0: really that's the root of all sin you know mm. we're just in rebellion against god any pick pick your poison and it is literal poison because it leads to death eternal yeah. death but it can it doesn't it could be alcoholism it could be help me out here Kylie, as my mind's blanking Lying. <laughs> i mean all these things taken down envy a, envy all, an extreme path it is all based in selfishness and mm-hmm. rebellion Your story's not the same as ours, and mine's not the same as someone else's, but we all have that in common. the root of it is the same.
2: Yes. Yeah. Do you want to... That was a weird noise that came out of my throat. Do you want to tell everybody how God's brought this full circle and what you're doing now as a ministry?
1: Well, yeah. And and it's just, you know, those those things that, that were happening in my life, it was those people that he put in my life from my case managers. My case manager was fresh out of college, 21 years old, didn't know anything about life, just knew bookwork. Yeah. And here I was, a seasoned bad boy, <laughs> and wasn't going to have her telling me what and how I should do this and that. Well, we bumped heads and bumped heads, so finally we sit each other down and we say, "Hey, okay, you're going to give me the technical stuff that I need, and I'll give you the street stuff that you need <laughs> and together we will we'll make it
2: persevere and
1: and that's what we did, and we from that time on we we helped each other learn about ourselves really wow, and it was. Another moment that that I got taught something, and a moment that she got taught something, you know, wow. and we so we both had grown from that. Mm. Well, she went on to bigger and better occupations there, uh, in her within her occupation she got promoted. She moved up. Yep, she moved up the ladder and and uh, and that was good and. But then I got in blessed with another uh, good case manager that would continue to lift me up uh, when I was down, you know. And I remember she, on one of these little, oh, I guess it's maybe a 10 inch by 10 inch uh, white board, if you will, and she drew this this smiley face on it and put on there, I will love myself unconditionally. Mm. And she gave that to me. And that meant a lot, because I hated myself.
3: Mm.
1: And I, I couldn't shake the self disappointment. And the disappointment that that now I'm getting closer to God and how I've been hurting Him. It's just Mm -hmm. sad. It just saddens me. But at the same time, it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Mm
3: -hmm.
2: I think we all get to that point when you are becoming more self aware of your past and the things that you did and you're you know, you're growing deeper in your relationship with the Lord, then it you know, it's like you had to open the wound for mm-hmm. him to properly heal it. And I think everybody thinks about their past and they're just like Yeah. Like, why? Why did I do that? And but he also asks us not to dwell in the past, but to
0: move forward to move within forward. into
2: the future. He has
0: a good future a plan and a hope for mm-hmm. your future. And before he said beautiful, Al, I, the, the words came to me. You were beautifully broken mm-hmm. so that he could build you back up. Mm-hmm. And we all, it's, why do we, we all fight that so much. Mm-hmm. Like I said, pick what it is that it is in your life. We fight it, and we fight it, and at the end of the day, we have to be broken mm-hmm. to come to to come to come this place of being built up again by God, for God, in a way that we can love ourselves and love Him fully. Mm-hmm. We truly become who we're meant to be once we do that. Mm-hmm. And the battlefield of the mind that you're kind of speaking of it's a very real thing like when you said when that psychiatrist or psychologist said to you you've been depressed your whole life I would say again people think depression looks one way and I think there's a disconnect there for people too like well I'm not depressed I'm Mm -hmm. not sitting in the corner crying Mm -mm. it doesn't look like that I've been depressed before like Mm -hmm. told by a doctor you're depressed and I, it was a shocking moment for me, but it was true. Mm-hmm. And there's such a stigma with it now even mm-hmm. that it's, you know, that's another thing that we got to go to the Lord for for mm-hmm. healing and to not be ashamed and say, Lord, I struggle with this. Mm-hmm. Heal me. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And I, I've struggled with it too. And though people would have never really known, unless you're close to me maybe, but... Yeah. um, because, you know, just kept moving, just kept going. Mm-hmm. It does look different for everybody. Mental health looks different on everyone and how they handle it. Mm-hmm. And so we can't be ashamed of it either if we are the ones struggling because you need help. Right. <laughs> Get the
0: help. And I would, I think I'm a pretty peppy person actually, but sometimes I'm, I've am i also had my bouts with anxiety. I'm like, sometimes I think that comes out as my peppiness. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, I'm okay. Yeah. Like, ah, and there people would never think. Yeah. But actually, no. That's, that's sometimes a defense for me. Yeah. Is what I'm starting to realize. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh. But
2: Al, I think it's really cool the ministry that the Lord's led you to. Yes. And that's what um, I think, because we're closing in on time. But um, I wanted to hit a on touch sure. on it for sure. Well, Especially because we're in the VanWare area, folks. So you can come and see Al anytime. Yes.
1: Well, <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, oh, it was probably about two and a half years ago that the Lord, you know, sent me in to, to see uh, Pastor, or we called him Dr. Tom. Dr. Tom.
2: Dr. Tom.
1: And I... I asked him, I said, I, I want to start a, a 12-step AA program that focuses more intently on the steps mm-hmm. uh, because that's that's where the meat is. That's where you, you really make the changes. You get to see and reflect on what you've done in your life. And he looked at me and he says, Have you ever heard about Celebrate Recovery Ministries. And I said, no, I can't say I have. And he says, well, it's a Christian-based 12-step program. He says, look into it. I'd like for you to start that here, if you would. So I go and I, of course, thank God for Google. (laughs) I Google it and bring it up. and. I do a little bit of reading on it, and I'm like, yeah okay that that sounds doable, you know and really, what I wanted was just I wanted something for this community uh, and I know that Celebrate Recovery was here prior to uh, and it had it was quite successful, really. I think they had about forty people showing up at one point. And uh, which you know is good, mm-hmm. <laughs> very good. Uh, and so I went out and I put out my feelers and I asked people that I knew what they'd think about if if something was like that was started again. And I got a hold of the people who ran it before, and they were all excited. Uh, So I went in to Dr. Tom and said, hey, yeah, I'll I'll do this, I I think it's doable. And uh, so I I started working on it and I got myself up to speed uh, through reading, but I hadn't taken uh, and done the steps. And that's one of the stipulations is you work the steps before you can gain access to any type of leadership. Uh, So, I was blessed once again from some guy that comes down yearly to visit his son from Texas. uh, And he was looking for a Celebrate Recovery, and he was led here, which they put him in contact with me, which then he began to teach me the steps, (laughs) Now, if that's not God at work, I don't know what is. <laughs> he comes from Texas, and I'm here in need of him. Wow. And he's here. Wow. Whoa. hmm Hold the horses, you know, because it is, it just amazed me. So he would take me as far as he could, and then, and this is, how blessed I was to even have him doing this, he went outside his way to contact someone in Lima to continue the step work with me so I could finish the four book participant books wow. and be through the twelve steps and I did that, then I began a 12-step study here. But then COVID came and threw a wrench into everything. And that set us back some, but at the same time, uh, as soon as we could, we pressed forward and now we're on our third uh, 12-step study and our participants have grown uh, despite the limited uh advertising or or uh marketing marketing the the uh celebrate recovery uh program here Mm -hmm. uh but then now that has opened up and we have currently we have about eight participants in our groups and uh so that that it has grown uh, from when we first started. Uh, I've actually graduated one guy out of out of the twelve steps, and uh, he's still doing well. And we're looking to start either in March or April uh, the large group. Uh, celebrate recovery
3: Woohoo, that's
2: which
1: awesome. yes and it's uh, it includes a uh, worship service it, it includes small group it, uh it's teachings and it's
2: uh it's basically i don't want to say many but it's like a it's like a like a service yeah that you would have on a sunday almost right
1: it is just like a a, a sunday uh school service, uh, or not school service, but a Sunday uh,
2: service,
1: service. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> I'm like, That's awesome. I can't get the words out. And uh, and I've said that, I don't know how many times, but that, yeah, and uh, we have got a live bands uh, that are willing to show up and, and play. And of course we always have YouTube if anything falls through, mm-hmm. but it's a good time to, uh, to get the help that you need and, mm-hmm. uh, and meet some people that, are, that have some of the same struggles you have. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and you know that, that together you can, can make it through that, you know, because you're focused on God and God is capable of lifting us up out of any of our hurts, habits, or hangups. Yes. So. Uh,
0: and he can forgive, Jesus can forgive
2: anything. Mm-hmm. Anything. Yeah. I actually just wrote a paper on. Um, well, our project was to pick a person in the New Testament and write about their disciple, like m- making model, or whatever. And I actually wrote it on Peter and Judas, cause, but focusing on Peter eventually. But I started off talking about Peter and Judas and the how they're really not that different and how we're not that different from Judas either. Um, but. The difference between the two men was Peter denied Christ three times, and Judas sold Christ for 30 pieces of silver. Mm. But the difference was uh, Peter accepted the grace and the bloodshed of Christ. Judas, Judas didn't accept it. He got he was in anguish. He was angry. He, both of these men followed him, trusted Jesus, loved him, learned everything from him. And yet the decision each of them made, one, one was saved and one was lost. Yeah. And it's just such a crazy and heartbreaking thing. And, um, when you really study Peter's, like when you look at how he, um, his bold personality and standing up, but his first thing out of his mouth is always repent, mm-hmm. repent. And I feel like that is on purpose by him mm-hmm. because he knows how close he was to being lost and not accepting that grace. We all, if we don't, we choose it. Like the Lord extends it to all of us, but we have free will guys Yes. It's whether or not we choose to let Him extend that to us and accept that blood that He shed for, him, for us and accept His love that He set upon us before the foundations of the world were even set. Yes. And that's just, that's basically when you, I keep thinking about that over and over again when you were talking and um, when you're telling your testimony and even leading it into um, talking about celebrate recovery. But there is a way out and I know a lot of times it doesn't seem like there is, but there is and his name is Jesus. Yes. <laughs> his name is Jesus. So, is there anything else you want to add? Is there anything or <laughs> <laughs> You can't hear a head shake in the microphone.
1: <laughs> I used to tell people that did that, I can't hear your head rattle. <laughs>
2: I always make the kids nope I can't I don't
0: accept uh silent answers (laughs) (laughs) well Al that's such a moving testimony Mm -hmm. and you tell it so well it's just so real and I just appreciate you sharing that with us and with everyone Mm -hmm. so much I know it's going to bless people
2: yeah me too I think a lot of people are in um Similar spots or, you know, anybody, even if alcohol or even, you know, I know drugs, it was alcohol with, for you, but, um, but even drug, even if it's not either of those things. There is something in your life. There is your vice. It might not look like a tangible thing. It could be like what Meg was saying earlier. It could be something like envy. It could be lying. It could be what well, could be stealing, but it could be all like just self-centeredness. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of times pe- what pe- where people are really struggling, it is the things that others can't see mm-hmm. necessarily. Mm-hmm. It's all inward stuff and those are the hardest things to break habit of mm-hmm. because that's in you
1: <laughs> I know that I know I always tell people that whatever separates you from God that's that's what your your trouble is mm-hmm. Yes. and God doesn't want you to be separated from no. mm-hmm. he wants you to embrace him with your troubles uh, no matter how how you feel about them. If you feel they're they're huge, you feel they're small, he's there. That's what he's Mm -hmm. there for. Mm -hmm. To lift you up out of that pain Mm -hmm. and misery. You don't have to go through it alone. And that's the biggest thing. You know, I can remember my, before the spanking, right? And then after the spanking or during the spanking, if he was weeping, what would dad say? Hush up. I'll give you something to cry about. You know, God don't do that. No. He says, let me, let me take you and teach you mm-hmm. the right way with love and compassion and understanding. Yes. Mm-hmm. Not, not the way my father used to discipline, but the way my heavenly father disciplines is the way that we all should discipline one another Mm -hmm. with love. love. It even says that in the Bible, to let your brother down gently. Mm -hmm. And
0: That's so good. it,
1: It is so difficult sometimes. And I get it. I get that. I don't want to admit the pain and misery and the harm that I've done to others. But you know what? If just one person hears it mm-hmm. and can understand it and can apply some of the things that I applied to my life to get myself out of this this is <laughs> well worth it. Mm-hmm. If I was not embarrassed and ashamed to do what I was doing prior to God why would I be ashamed and embarrassed to do something for with God? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know?
3: Wow. Yeah. Wow.
2: It's, yeah, it's like when you get a new car, you want to tell people about it, right? <laughs> so this is so much better than a new car, guys. <laughs> so that's why when um, when you have the opportunity to feel that or experience that redemption power, that love of Christ through, you know, giving your life to him, it's something that you want to tell people because you get excited about. Yes. So that we appreciate you coming on and doing so.
0: And I just, we, you guys, if you, if this is, if alcoholism, drug use is prevalent in your life, mm-hmm. my goodness, reach out. If this has resonated with you, reach out, comment on the podcast, reach out to Trinity Friends Church, mm-hmm. reach out. Uh, I mean, we'll get it to Al, but yeah. we'll pass it on. Yeah, We do not want you, like he said, to go through this alone because you're not mm-hmm. alone. You, yeah God loves you right where you are, yeah right where you are mm-hmm. don't don't let this message go deaf on your ears. Heed the call to be saved today. Mm-hmm. Today is the day of salvation. Do something about it. do yeah. something about it and
2: if drug and
0: alcohol isn't
2: your you know your struggle, celebrate recovery isn't it just for drugs and alcohol it's for Hurts and other habits too. There's um, you know, people have been like shopping addictions. Um, uh, yeah. there's people whose family members are, um, struggling with drug and or alcohol abuse, and support. they're in there. Yeah, yeah, they're in there for support, and so it's not just if you have one of these things. It's a, it's, it's a anything. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's an anything problem place. <laughs>
1: if- if you struggle with self, yeah. if mm-hmm. you struggle with self image mm-hmm. you know if you struggle with uh eating mm-hmm. uh any kind of Purging any habit yes anything that really separates you from uh, from god yes you know that that's the whole thing you know when we put something before god that's putting a barrier up mm-hmm. and we need to tear that barrier down and replace it with God with yeah. prayer.
3: Mm. I don't
1: always do it. I don't want to sell you that bag. And that I have my trials to this day. And life that's just life on life's terms. You're going to have your ups and downs. Yeah. But it makes it a lot easier when I can pray to God and say, "Help me out of this, Lord. Yes. Give me some answers to what I'm feeling." And why I'm feeling this way.
0: We'll never be perfect. Then otherwise, Jesus wouldn't have to have done what he did. He mm-hmm. always, it, it is. We are always striving, but we will never be perfect. Yeah. Never. And Al keeps saying about um, setting the
2: barrier up and keeping you from God. And here's the, uh, the thing, my friends. Um, when he was saying that, it t- it reminded me of Romans 8. And so I got out my Bible because I knew I'd botch it. If not, we're the ones setting that barrier. <laughs> it's not God because in Romans 8, it says, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, ne- neither height nor depth, or nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God. Mm-hmm. And that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nice. And so... That, God, there is nothing that can separate us from the the love of God. He's already, like I said earlier, in Ephesians 1, when it talks about it, He has already set His love on us from the very beginning of time. We are the ones that have the option to choose it because He did provide us free will. And so if you feel like there is a barrier, it is a self-put-up barrier. So. Knock it down. <laughs> yes, don't let it stand in don't the way. Don't let it stand in the way. And then it makes me think of the verse in, um, hold on. where is that? Is that Revelation or am I thinking of Matthew? But basically, he is at the door knocking. Revelation. He is at the door knocking, and he wants you to open the door and accept. He's not a barge through the door type
0: of guy. He wants
2: to be chosen back. Yes. Like we all do, yeah, and it's, I, think, <laughs> I
0: think that illustration goes so well. The, the, that Al said the illustration earlier that he's a gentle father, even mm-hmm. when like he's not barging in. Yeah, he's gentle. Mm-hmm. He's gentle. He wants you to come to him because you want him. Yes. <sighs>
2: we sigh at the end of every. We month. do. <sighs> <laughs> but anyways, Al, we appreciate you. We thank you for coming on the podcast and um, sharing the. Love of Christ and what he's done in your life. Yes. So.
1: Thank you for the opportunity.
2: Of course. We love you, brother. And I hope you'll come to Jackson in the future again so we can roll out of the van laughing.
0: I'm going this time. Oh. You're not going this time. Man.
2: (laughs) We'll make him feel guilty. We'll send pictures. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys. Well, we love you, and um, we know you'll get some good nuggets out of this podcast, and we'll be back next week. Yes. Mm -hmm. See you then. We love you. God bless. Bye. Hey everyone, thanks so much for listening to this week's episode of Midwest Girls. We could not do it without you and all your support. If you enjoyed what you heard, please leave us a five-star review, comment your thoughts, and share this with all who you love in order to raise awareness for what we are doing here on Midwest Girls and at Project 6 Eight also I just wanted to let you in on just a little secret we have a little discount code for our listeners at our merch store which you can find on our website or in the notes section below it is Midwest girls 10 all caps again Midwest girls 10 all all caps. And you can find our merch store link at www.project68ministry.com or you can find it all in the show notes below. We give God all the glory for this platform and we hope this podcast is making an impact for the kingdom.
0: So until next time, much love and God bless to y'all.